Hello, and thanks for tuning in to episode 33 of English with Tim, the podcast where you can learn English in depth and detail. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about portmanteaus. Portmanteau is a special category of vocabulary in English. A portmanteau is a single word which was created from the beginning of one word and the end of another word to create a new meaning which usually contains parts of the meanings of each of the original words. For example, smog is a portmanteau of smoke and fog, or cronut is a portmanteau of croissant and donut. We'll talk about each of those a little bit later. So, one thing that's important to note about portmanteaus is that they are created intentionally. Someone decides to create this word for a reason. Some portmanteaus are really successful and become part of the language on a long-term basis, while others are used only for a short time and then fall out of use. Portmanteaus are also fun because by learning them you can often learn something about the culture in English-speaking countries. First portmanteau we'll talk about today is smog. As I mentioned, portman uh, smog is a portmanteau of smoke and fog. Smog is a type of air pollution that is so serious and so thick that you cannot see through it. Smog is in fact not a mix of smoke and fog as the name seems to suggest, but smog does look like a mix of smoke and fog. You can find smog in big cities where many people drive to work in cars. I've seen really terrible smog in cities like Marseille, Mexico City, and to a lesser extent, Moscow. I remember specifically in Mexico City, walking out of the city, which is in the kind of in a bowl. It's in a really low-lying area, and the city is surrounded by mountains. And I walked up one of those mountains um, and looked back down into the city and saw that it was completely covered in smog brown smog. It was pretty bad. So yeah, you don't want to breathe smog. Let's move on to the next portmanteau, cronut. As I mentioned, a cronut is a portmanteau of croissant and donut. So a, cr a cronut is basically a croissant that is made in the shape of a donut, which is a thick disc shape with a hole in the center. Cronuts usually have cream or icing on top, just like donuts do. So cronuts became like really insanely popular in the United States around 10 years ago, and you can still find them, but people aren't as crazy about them as they used to be. So who knows, maybe in 30 years we won't be using the word cronut at all. Maybe people will forget about this. Um, let's move on to the next one. Um, this one is significantly more complicated. Um, it is tipflation. So, tipflation is a portmanteau of tip and inflation. So, inflation is, of course, of course, the growth in prices that people pay for goods and services over time. And tips are the money that you give to service people, most often waiters or waitresses in a restaurant or people who deliver food to your door, for example, the pizza delivery person. Tips are not payment for food or drink, but rather extra money that you give directly to service people. In the United States, a tip is typically 15% of the total bill. So if you spend $30 on a di dinner, your tip will be something around $5. So why do we have tips in the United States? Well, tips in the U.S. are often a very important part of a worker's pay. The U.S. federal minimum wage is $7.45, which is already quite low. Now, waiters and waitresses and other workers who receive tips can be paid even less than that by their employers. They can be paid as little as $3 an hour. So in order to earn enough money, these people ask for tips. 
The portmanteau tipflation refers to how tips have become larger compared to recent years. There are two parts of tipflation. The first thing is that service workers are demanding larger tips than before. Nowadays, when a server approaches your table with their iPad asking for a payment, there's an option for no tip, an option for 15%, an option, and options for 20, 25, and even 30%. You can, of course, pay no tip at all or pay the standard amount, but f- before you paid 15%, and that was pretty much it, except for maybe if you got really amazing service and decided you wanted to pay extra to reward that person. Now, the second part of tipflation is that workers who normally received no tips at all before are often asking for them. For example, bartenders do not normally receive tips, but when you pay on a tablet, there's now an option to pay them. Or people who work in a restaurant where there's no table service, or even in some beer and wine shops. When it's time to pay, you look at the tablet, and there's an option to pay a tip. This didn't happen before. No one in those jobs asked for extra money. This started, as far as I can tell, around 2019. I don't recall seeing it in 2018. I remember specifically seeing it at the end of 2019 and being surprised. I'm at a bar? Like, this person's asking for a tip? What is this? This is weird. Um, And it got worse during the pandemic. So it's actually kind of surprising, though, that tipflation didn't happen much earlier. When workers received tips in cash in the past, it was possible for them to not report this income to the government and just keep it for themselves. But now almost everyone pays electronically, including the tip, and it's impossible to hide that income. So it would make sense for um, workers to ask for a bigger tip because part of that's just going to go to the government anyway. So that's all for tipflation. Let's move on to the next portmanteau. The next one is edutainment. Edutainment is a portmanteau of education and entertainment. uh, Edutainment is the use of fun and entertaining materials for education. This includes videos and games and sometimes even video games. Edutainment as a concept will never die, but the term is not as popular as it used to be. The reason is probably that edutainment has its limits and everyone knows it. For example, I work in a school, and until recently, there was a 45-minute period each day when the kids were supposed to use edutainment applications with names like Lexia or Extra Math on their iPads. The content of the apps was actually pretty good, but I noticed that a pretty big proportion of the kids just paid no attention to the content and just pressed buttons at random whenever they were asked for answers, and the the computer, the iPad, would eventually just give them the correct answer. Um, and then they would go on to the next question, or just make no progress at all. So yeah, edutainment is a very limited thing. Um, next portmanteau, situationship. This is a really new one. I, I've only heard this one in the past few weeks, actually. Um, which doesn't exclude that it might be older. So, situationship is a portmanteau of situation and relationship. A situationship is a romantic relationship that's full of complications and uncertainty. It could be that the people in the situationship every so often break up and then get back together again. It could be that they both know that the situationship has some unsolvable problem, but they stay in it anyways because more often than not, it's not it's better than nothing. A situation could also be a distance relationship where it's unclear if the relationship is exclusive or not. So that's all for situationship. Next one is hazmat. 
Hazmat is a portmanteau of hazardous, which means dangerous, and material. So hazmat is any material or substance that is dangerous, usually because it's poisonous or flammable or can make you sick. So pure oxygen is a hazmat because it can burn. Medical trash, especially trash that could contain viruses, is hazmat. Gasoline is hazmat. Um, also, like really cold, uh, you know, gases that have been made so cold that they are now liquid, like liquid nitrogen or liquid oxygen, those are also hazmats. So usually the word hazmat is used as part of a compound noun. For example, a hazmat suit is a plastic or rubber suit that covers your entire body, including the head, and has a source of air inside so that you don't have to breathe outside air. I remember in 2014, when the Ebola virus started to spread, a, f a few very cautious people bought hazmat suits, and almost everyone laughed at them. I didn't laugh at them. I thought Ebola was quite frightening. I didn't. I didn't um, actually buy a suit though, hazmat suit myself though. Um, another compound noun with hazmat is hazmat training. If you have any job in a hospital or factory, you probably are going to have to go through hazmat training, where you learn how to safely deal with hazardous materials. Next portmanteau, spork. I actually really like this one. It's fun to say. Try it. Just say spork. Spork is a portmanteau of spoon and fork. There are actually two kinds of sporks. One kind of spork has the part that you hold in your hand, and at one end of that part, there's a fork, and on the other end, there is a spoon. The other kind of spork is a spoon, but from the tip of the spoon, there have been some pieces that were cut out, these cuts leave the spoon with some sharp points that are similar to what you have on a fork, but that are not as long. So who actually uses sporks? The answer is hikers, or people who like to walk long distances in nature, usually while carrying a backpack. Hikers use sporks because one spork is lighter than one fork and one spoon. Of course, we're only talking about maybe 30 grams of weight here, but some hikers try to carry as little weight as possible, and so they buy different lightweight equipment in addition to sporks. So by using a lot of different lightweight equipment, they might reduce the weight of their bags by a kilo or so, which really does make a difference when you're walking all day. Next portmanteau, brunch. Brunch is one portmanteau that actually has been used for a really long time and is now a permanent part of the language. It's not going anywhere. And as you probably know, brunch is a portmanteau of breakfast and lunch. Brunch is basically what is traditionally considered breakfast food that is eaten closer to lunchtime. There are no exact agreed-on start or end times for brunch, but most people would agree that brunch starts in the late morning, say 11 a.m., and ends in the early afternoon, so 1 p.m. I said that brunch is breakfast food that is eaten closer to lunchtime, but there is more to it than that. First, you might have alcoholic drinks like champagne or cocktails at brunch, but not beer or hard drinks like gin or whiskey. Second, brunch consists of a selection of breakfast foods, often that are put out on a table for people to choose from. So you will have some fruit and uh, fruit juices on that table, you'll have some egg dishes, you'll have some meat, some bread, and so on, and jam. You can also have cereal or oatmeal as one option, but if you just eat cereal or oatmeal at noon, that is not brunch. It's just a very simple late breakfast. Another aspect of brunch is that it tends to be social. You could have brunch at a restaurant or hotel or invite friends 
um, over to brunch at your house, and there's no reason you couldn't prepare yourself in a, a big brunch, but in reality, people rarely do that. People rarely have brunch by themselves. So let's make a more detailed def definition of brunch. Brunch is a reasonably wide selection of breakfast foods eaten at lunchtime, usually in a social situation. Let's move on to the next one. This is a really crazy and weird and fun one that reveals a lot of things about the United States that are kind of mysterious and weird. It is Trustafarian. A Trustafarian is a portmanteau of trust and Rastafarian. So trust here means something unusual. It doesn't mean the usual thing where, you know, I trust you because we've known each other for a long time. In this case, trust is a bank account that is controlled by one person, for example, a parent or grandparent. The money in the trust is given to another person, for example, a son or daughter or grandchild, when that person reaches a certain age. The person who controls the trust does this to make sure that the child or grandchild has enough money, but does not get it too early and spend it irresponsibly on, you know, something like, uh, you know, expensive cars or partying all the time or just stupid stuff that a 19 or 20 year old might buy. Um, the person who controls the trust may also put some special conditions on the use of the money, for example, that it can only be used for education. As you can imagine, trusts are usually held only by rather wealthy people. Now, Rastafarianism, on the other hand, is a religious and political movement that started in the 1930s in Jamaica and spread around the globe, including to the United States. Um, people who follow this religion are called Rastafarians. The original movement was started by Jamaicans who converted to Christianity. Uh, black Jamaicans, obviously. So Rastafarians believed that the version of the Bible that they were uh, given had been modified in order to keep them under the control of white people. Rastafarians believe that black people will all eventually return to Africa, or more specifically Ethiopia, and leave behind the control and manipulation of white people. Rastafarians smoke marijuana also so that they can communicate better with God. I think you can tell that this is not a super demanding religion. Um... I could be wrong, though. Don't actually know any proper Rastafarians myself, so sorry if I've, you know, ruffled someone's feathers or made someone angry. Um, the men also neither cut nor comb their hair, and as a result, the hair grows to be quite long and begins to look kind of like thick cables of hair hanging from the person's head. Finally, Rastafarians often wear the colors red, green, and yellow together and often listen to the music of Bob Marley, who was from Jamaica. While the original Rastafarians were black, you can also find white people who become Rastafarians. Personally, all of the not very numerous Rastafarians I have ever met were white. All of them had upper middle class parents, and for them the main points seemed to be smoking marijuana, wearing the colors of the movement, and not working because it involved exploitation or oppression. So what then is a Trustafarian? A Trustafarian is the usually white male child or grandchild of a rich person who owns a trust. While the Trustafarian waits for the money from the trust, he smokes marijuana, never combs his hair, and works as little as possible, all the while complaining about how rich people are exploiting poor ones. The Trustafarian is able to do this because he knows that a large amount of money is coming his way when he reaches a certain age. 
If this all sounds really complicated and weird, that's because it is complicated and weird. I've always felt that, but when I sat down and wrote this to explain to you what a Trustafarian is, I began to really understand just how completely weird the Trustafarian phenomenon is. So, let's move on to the next phenomenon, or sorry, the next portmanteau, which is hangry. This is a much simpler one, and the last one will do. So, hangry is a portmanteau of hungry and angry. A person who is hangry is angry because they are hungry. Really is that simple. So personally, I'm a man, and I do get hangry, as men often do, and with that, I'm going to go have a snack. And um, I hope that you tune in next week, and that in the meantime, you tell me what your thoughts are on some of these portmanteaus, specifically Trustafarians, which is my favorite one of the mix. Thanks, and see you next week.